Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Somebody Save Us, a Smallville retrospective podcast where we do a deep dive into each and every episode of the hit series Smallville, uh, which has been thrust back into the news thanks to the finale of the Arrowverse. Uh, today, oh, I'm joined with uh, my co-host here, Paul, and today we are doing uh, episode nine rogue it is written and directed by mark verhayden who also wrote and directed x-ray and directed by david carson who directed star trek generations which is arguably one of the better star trek movies uh and its original air date was january 15th 2002 and we'll get into the dirty details right after this Hey, Paulie, how's it going? Not too bad. How are you doing? I'm all right. Thank you very much. Uh, a little, um, not necessarily under the weather, but you can tell that my voice is not where it usually is. So, ladies and gentlemen, you'll have to just bear with me on this one. So by, um, by the end, by the end, you'll be Affleck Batman. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I might be like a little closer to like Casey Affleck with like a high squeaky voice. Um, <laughs> Anyway, episode nine, Rogue. What's your, what's your quick like um, thoughts on this one? Uh, well, it's kind of I don't know. It's one of those things where it's 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 sort of a paint by numbers kind of blackmail story. And there's kind of you know there's kind of a, a bunch of places where this could have just been put to bed a couple of times, but obviously I, I, being a show. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that one. It gets it, it's um. Uh, yeah, like a cool concept, and it's one that I think we actually probably revisit a couple times. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like rehashing like the, oh, let's blackmail Clark kind of thing. Um, but this one, yeah, about halfway through the episode, I'm like, you could have wrapped this up by now. There seems like there's kind of an easy solution here. Um, yeah, yeah. Anyway, you want to take us uh, through the process? Yeah, so that cold open, uh, we... Uh... The first thing I, I I noticed, I think the day I was watching it, I had paused it right at the beginning. And because I'd done that, one of the buildings you see in the background is like a TD, like TD Canada Trust tower in the background. So we get some Vancouver skyline there. I didn't notice that at all, actually. But, uh, yeah, it doesn't surprise me. Well, TD's kind of gone global now. Back then, right. it absolutely would have been more akin to, like, a Canadian bank. Right, yeah. Well, and, and so we see uh, we see the exterior of the museum, uh, presumably, again, in Metropolis. And inside, Clark is kind of uncomfortably making his way through, like, a crowd of people. Some kind of gala or something is going on. Um, and he kind of stops in front of this glass case uh, in which sits a kind of jeweled bronze chest plate with a pretty familiar crest on the chest. I think it's, is it supposed to be a snake? I I believe so, yeah. Okay, yeah, because I mean, like, and again, just another um, uh, another example of Smallville being subtle. Yeah. <laughs> 
but uh, Lex co- Lex comes over and he kind of just goes into a little short explanation about how it belonged to Alexander the Great, and Clark comments that he couldn't see himself wearing something like that into battle. Wah 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 wah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, I, he's and, kind of right. Like that is like gold and gaudy and bejeweled. Like right. he won't wear anything. He'll wear something, I guess, akin to it. Yeah, the pajamas version of it. Yeah, not not in the in the, like the uh, three episodes that we will record today. Not the best allusion to um, Clark's future uh, no. uniform, as it were. No, no. Uh, so. But on top of that, like, uh, Lex kind of goes into how he's not much of a history buff, but he is interested in people who ruled the world before they were 30. Um, Alexander the Great died when he was 32, by the way, so. (laughs) Well, I did not know. And like, yeah, Lex always has those machinations. He is definitely power hungry. Yeah. Yeah. He wants to leave a mark. He will. Yeah. And, uh, but also Lex apparently didn't tell Lana or Clark that the other were coming. And so they kind of meet awkwardly. Um, and then he gets even more awkward when he realizes Whitney is there too. And he kind of makes to get out of there. And Lex kind of tries to hold him up and get him to hang in there, or whatever. When uh, this redhead approaches Lex. Um, and we learn that this is Victoria. I don't think we get her last name yet. We do. It is do Victoria. It's it's like a, she's like a Bond girl because it's Victoria right. Hardwick. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, mm, subtle again. <laughs> Smallville, subtle. Although I will, yeah. I will say this: like almost the entire episode, I'm like, this girl would make an outstanding Laura Croft. Yeah. Well, I mean, she. Yeah, like I, I can't remember. She's been in other things, but I didn't at this point. Uh, like take note of it really because I couldn't remember if she was going to be like mo- moving forward. Going yeah, forward. I'm I'm not 100 percent sure, but I want to say that I recognize her from the OC. I think she was in uh, the OC after this. Yeah, maybe that sounds right. Uh, but yeah, so uh, Victoria interrupts their conversation and Lex offers her the tour in quotes. There's a bit of there's there's definitely a bit of uh, double talk there. Do they at this point have they? I mean, I guess they kind of allude to the fact that they have history that they've known each other in the past. Like they, it's yeah. not it doesn't come off as like a spontaneous meeting of two strangers, right? They like they come yeah. off almost immediately like we have a history. Yeah, it comes off that way. Like they definitely know each other. Um. But we are, uh, I think from this point, we have that little scene outside where like the kind of crooked cop who we're going to get introduced to is just beating the shit out of somebody. Yeah. Uh, Like there's no explanation there at all either. Yeah. And like pressing him to get some files from IA. Um, But we do notice that he sees Clark coming out of the, uh, the museum and kind of, you know, Clark is kind of musing about Metropolis uh, he's kind of standing there in the quiet. Um, but then all of a sudden there's just this bus out of control. I guess the bus driver has like a heart attack or something. Yeah, that's what it looks like. Grip his chest. And, and of course, uh, the bus aims for the one person on the street. <laughs> yeah. Like and his dog. With his dog. 
Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, we get, he kind of speeds over and he kind of just shoulder blocks the bus to a stop. Like, uh, which is an image we are going to see like countless times from here on out. Cause I'm sure that it finds its way into like the opening credits. It's it's, I think after this episode, it is in the opening oh, okay. credits. Yeah. Or even in this episode, it's in the opening credits, but yeah, it's, it's definitely one of the kind of best effects we've seen yet. Yeah, it looked good. I liked it. I like my favorite part is like the actually the after portion of it where he steps out of the the impact. Yeah, yeah. but and like as he's doing that, we actually see the bus drivers getting up from (laughs) really from his heart attack. So I didn't notice that. that So there's two witnesses. That dude is an Iron Man. Like, (laughs) like, and then yeah, and obviously the cop is right there as well, and he saw. And we get opening credits from that point. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good, yeah, that's the, a good cold open, actually. It's 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 pretty good. Like the the whole completely empty street, save for one homeless guy, and oh, also the homeless guy does not wake up after this happens. Like yeah, at all. He just goes back to say, well, I mean, maybe he's had a little uh, drinky, drinky. You know. Oh, the, the one could thing be. that I found weird is that like there's the bus accident. And then almost immediately, once Clark disappears, everyone starts piling out of the museum. Like, like nobody ran inside to, oh my god, there's a bus accident. It's like everybody just spontaneously comes out, and I don't... Yeah. Did they hear it? It must have. That has to be. I I guess. It's it's weird. I guess you just needed a crowd reaction of some kind, but... Right. But yeah, so, uh, like, Clark gets the hell out of there, um, obviously... Uh, the, the next morning on the farm, Clark is, uh, you know, telling Martha and Jonathan what happened, but it kind of comes out that he's like, look, something happened while I was in Metropolis. Nobody saw. They're like, are you sure? And he seems kind of sure. But um, we actually very quickly right after that are back in Metropolis in some alley or whatever. And the uh, crooked cop has blackmailed museum security to get some photos and he sees one of Clark and Lex that catches his eye. I and, think this is... and he, you see that there's like, he kind of grins. I don't know if he actually says anything right now, but you can tell that. And I mean, in this universe, you assume everybody knows who Lex Luthor is, but this yeah. is kind of a knowing look of like, ah, I have a connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and we learn more about that after, but it definitely is like kind of this moment of, Oh boy, so he's starting to put his blackmail together already right here. But uh, meanwhile, at the Luther Mansion, uh, Lex and Victoria are enjoying a morning mimosa to uh, talk about her father's interest in Lex coming to work for him and her interest in uh, that dick. Yeah, yeah, she's thirsty. (laughs) Um... (laughs) Now, and the thing is, like, do they ever get into who Sir Harry actually is? Like, they don't, do they don't, they don't ever name the company or anything, did they? Or, or... I just, I think, I think it might be something, something like Hardwick Industries or something like that. I can't, I can't remember fully, but I think we do. And I, I do think at some point we even meet Sir Harry. Really? But I'm not sure. It strikes me as something that he'll appear at some point. Okay, because I mean they're obviously some competitors, and it seems like longtime competitors of the Luthers. 
But right. I, I just um like uh, I, when when Victoria shows up, I kind of like she was familiar. I was like, OK, I kind of remember the storyline a little bit, but I don't like it. As far as I remember, it doesn't stretch very long. It's not going to go past season one if I'm. Yeah, I don't. I don't have any memory. Like, I didn't have any memory of her specifically being the same person as I thought she was in different episodes. So I wasn't sure how far, and I'm still not sure how far this is going to go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's sort of, you know, they're kind of, they're kind of being petulant about their, 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 their interest in the relationship seems almost as much about upsetting their parents about upsetting their fathers as it is about any mutual interest in each other. Yeah. Yeah, for yeah. sure. It, it does definitely tend to be like, uh, like they're doing it kind of out of mutual spite. Yeah. Yeah. But at school, uh, Clark and Chloe are sitting together and Lana comes in to ask where he went last night and Chloe is getting up to go. Um, and principal Kwan shows up. And he's looking pretty good for a man who, like, I don't even know how much time has passed since he was, like, burned in that car. <laughs> yeah, actually. It's a good recovery time. He's look, look, looking pretty good. Um, but he shows up on the, he, you know, he's kind of got issue with her direction on the torch and kind of suspends it until she can find, until he can find a new editor. And everyone <laughs> exchanges looks. Yeah, it's just the man trying to keep the truth, trying to keep the truth hidden. Yeah. You know, he's just, he just doesn't like, he, he likes facts. Yeah. Facts How dare man. you in your facts? Yeah. Your facts have no place in media. Although to be fair, you really probably should shut down a school paper. If like the lead editor's like, Oh, there's monsters in the woods. Blah. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> you're crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you'd actually like not, not only take the paper away from her, but probably recommend some kind of psych consult. Right. Yeah. But uh, Lana says she's going to go try to talk to him. Um, and then we're over at the beanery. And now the cop we learn is named Phelan. Sam Phelan is kind of playing pinball. And I, this is the first time this pinball machine has been in, in the beanery. Like, where did this thing come from? Uh, I don't know, actually. I did, I mean, Cause has it I never been there? I've never, yeah, I guess I've never noticed it. I think it yeah. is there, though, beginning, like, from this episode for the rest of it, though, because I seem to remember yeah. it in the next episode or the episode yeah. after. Because, yeah, there's a lot of scenes where it sets up kind of somebody walking into the beanery and you see the counter in the background. And then in the kind of middle foreground, you see somebody as they make their way to where the camera is in the deep foreground where people actually sit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and we see that same hallway a few times, and this is the first time I've noticed, at least, that that um, uh, pinball machine was there. Yeah. Anyway, Lex has, wa- Lex has walked in. They kind of have an icy exchange because Lex reminds him he was paid for his services. Can't touch him. Uh, Phelan says he's looking for a witness, and Lex pretends to not know who he's looking for. Yeah. Lex ain't no snitch. Yeah. He- yeah. Come at Lex. You should know better if you worked for Lex Luthor and the Luthor family cleaning up issues for them that they were not going to fucking give you any info. Yeah. He suggests, he also suggests Phelan maybe retire. 
probably a good idea. At a pointed mark right there. But uh, we, um, and then on the farm, uh, it's weird because also it seems like Phelan gets around really fast in this episode. <laughs> you, you know what? I literally never thought about it, but you're right. He's kind of everywhere all the time. Because he's in this next scene on the farm. We see the barn. It's kind of lit eerily as Clark calls out to see who's home. And he spots something on the ground. And he bends down and finds like a police badge. And it's kind of right above him in the shot. There's like a like a an en- like a, a tractor engine hanging off a chain. And you know that fucking thing is, is falling. Like you know it. Oh yeah, like this is absolutely one hundred percent. Like even Clark should have been like, maybe I should just push that aside with a stick before I pick it up. Like, why would you bend down underneath like a one-ton anything? So yeah, this thing falls, and it kind of pins him for a second before he throws it off of him. But he throws it off of him into like a wall. Like, (laughs) with like, yeah, no, like, not even worried about. Oh, this was the thing my dad was trying to rebuild yesterday. I'm just going to wreck it a little more. Yeah. And so he's busted. Phelan comes down from the loft saying he wanted to be sure that he needs his help. Clark refuses and Phelan kind of pulls a black mar- male move on him right there. And he's just this like, is well, just one of the weird things, like another example of Smallville subtlety is how the police badges are in the shape of a diamond. Yeah. Yeah. So like they're shaped like Superman's crest and I remember hating that so much when I watched this the first time when I watched the series and it just it'll bug me all the way through because eventually it gets on their police cars and stuff like that. And like I kind of get well, okay, well, maybe Clark or or my thought process was maybe Clark adopts that as part of his symbol when he becomes Superman. So people are like more apt to accept him as a figure of justice. Because it'll subconsciously remind them of a police badge, blah, blah, blah. But then you get into the Kryptonian stuff, and it's like, oh, no, that's a diamond, too. So it's just a weird coincidence. Just a happy, happy accident. Yeah. Yeah. So so much of that in the series, too. Like, an insane amount of The entire series is happy coincidence. Yeah. Smallville, a happy coincidence. But, uh, so, the Kents kind of discuss what to do. And Jonathan says he's going to talk to Phelan. Uh, and Clark is standing at the window in the loft, kind of in the next scene. It's like the scene with the Kents discussing it, what to do, is really quick. Like it's maybe 20, 25 seconds. But he says he's going to talk to him. And then we see Clark in the loft where and Lex shows up. And uh, he finds out about Phelan and tells him to kind of steer clear of it but that if Sam Phelan has something on him, that he will use it. The weirdest part of that conversation to me was Lex, like talking to Clark and going, look, Clark, you don't want to deal with Phelan. He uses means that no other police officer would use blah, blah, blah. And Clark's like, are you saying he's a dirty cop? Like Clark, he tried to kill you (laughs) just to see if, you know, like just to see if you would die. Like, <laughs> yeah, like to see, like, what if he was wrong? You would be dead. Yes, he's obviously a dirty cop. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Clark a little innocent in that. Um, but uh, at the beanery, uh, Jonathan meets with Phelan. Phelan's pitch is that Clark's gifts could be used to help law enforcement. Jonathan won't sign off on it, won't let him exploit Clark. 
Phelan brings up Clark's appearances at other scenes and tries to make the case that it's a natural fit. And, uh, you know, Jonathan still won't budge. And then trying to apply a little bit more pressure. Uh, he kind of, he kind of just, he kind of intimates that this is going to happen whether he wants it or not. And Jonathan gets pissed and loses his cool. And he slams Phelan down on the table, like right in front of everybody in mm-hmm. the cafe. The cafe goes totally silent. Like you get your pin drop. And I think this is like the first time. I mean, they've exhibited Jonathan's like uh, stubborn side up until this point. But I think this is the first time in the series where they establish like, oh, no, there's a line with Jonathan. And sometimes yeah. he just cannot control his temper. Yeah. And this is one of those moments. Yeah. And uh, Phelan kind of in a slimy tone kind of tells him that you should learn to keep that anger in check. But, uh, and then over at the torch, I think it's the same day, um, but uh, over the torch, Clark is reading up on what Phelan, or reading up on Phelan when Chloe comes in, because he's just on the computer. Um, And then right ahead of Lana, who suddenly is the new EIC of the torch. Yeah, and and it goes over really, it goes over as well as you would expect it to. Chloe loses her shit. Yes. Uh, that being said, Chloe like goes off the deep end here. Like I, I was like watching this, and I was like, if you would stop and take two breaths and just listen to Lana for a second, you would understand that everything she's doing is the right move in this situation. Yeah, and it was like this. the The thing with Chloe, I think that kind of sent her completely over was when Clark tries to break it up. And he gets accused of taking sides and Chloe just storms out of there before Lana even has a chance to explain things. Yeah. And Chloe like basically throws Clark under the bus as far as like Clark subtly, like, I mean, everybody knows Clark, Lana flirting. Is it there? Is it not? Blah, blah, blah. As far as like the awareness that Lana has with this, but Chloe flat out outs him at this point. Like, oh, you would take her side over mine because it's Lana. And they're like, there's no other way to interpret that. So it, in my head, Kenan, as far as I'm concerned, even if Lana was somewhat oblivious before this, now she knows. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I don't think I don't think she was completely oblivious. But at this point, yeah, it's very obvious, at least how Clark feels about her. Mm-hmm. But um, I think outside the beanery, Clark is walking by and Phelan kind of pulls up in his car and kind of tells, leans on Clark to kind of start thinking about his family, putting his family first, maybe. Kind of saying that you're going to come with me, basically. Yeah, yeah. Or like, yeah, basically like, look, I mean, what I do is blackmail people. I'm going to blackmail you by blackmailing your family. Yeah. Or strong yeah. arm, I guess. Like, you need to think about your dad here because, he, you know, bad things could happen to your parents. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, maybe maybe, uh, maybe uh, that little incident in the cafe gets uh, Jonathan a few nights in a cold cell. Yeah. But uh, I, think the next, I think the next thing is just they kind of jump to Metropolis. Um, there's like a, a short little scene with, uh, Lex and Victoria, uh, 
but I don't think there's much in there. He's kind of scheming a little bit. Yeah, I think it's more just, um, and I don't know if this was the phone call. I'm going to get a little confused here. There's, uh, It's just one of the ones where they're basically talking about how they're going to maneuver around each individual parent. Like, there's nothing. Yeah, it's just more yeah. setting the foundation of what these two are going to attempt, Try I guess. To. The coup that they're going to attempt. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Although, using their, I will say, using like, their stocks. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. early on, at this point, it kind of comes off as like partners. Right. They eventually kind of allude to the fact that maybe Lex is getting played. He's thinking with the wrong head. Yeah. Yeah. So. But, but it, 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 early on, like right now, it still, I guess, kind of seems like they're partners in crime. Yeah. But yeah, so in in Metropolis, Clark and Phelan pull up in an alley kind of behind a building. And Phelan reveals what he needs Clark to do, which is to break into the head of IA's safe and get him some files. To which Clark reveals, like, what Lex told them about Phelan. Uh, and, you know, that he's not going to let him go even if he does what he says. But Phelan says he will. And Clark doesn't really feel like he has any choice. So we see Clark kind of pop the lock out of the door like he did a few episodes ago. And just using his x-ray vision to spot the safe. Now this leads me to a question. Hmm. Because Clark basically runs around and and destroys a lot of shit. Does Clark leave fingerprints? He has to, right? But... He wouldn't be in any kind of registry. Well, th- I mean, that's true, I guess. that, that right. That's fair. I'm just thinking, like, because fingerprints are essentially just, like, the oils from your hand just leave prints, right? So maybe right. he's, as a Kryptonian, not, like, he's just not, like, a greasy human. Yeah. Yeah, maybe he doesn't leave any prints, or, like, his prints are, like, his fingerprints are all in the shape of, of crests. <laughs> <laughs> They're just little diamonds. Like, this is weird. Yeah. All right. I don't, I just like, it seemed weird to me. Like just watching this. I'm like, he touches every, he never wears gloves. He touches everything. Even when you go into like Superman lore, Superman doesn't wear gloves. There's no gloves on his costume. So like, does he leave fingerprints anywhere? I have to assume no. I just assume it's never come up. (laughs) <laughs> well, but you would think someone like Lex Luthor would be like, maybe uh, one of these sites that Superman's been at, or like when he opens a door or something, you're never going to dust for prints. I think maybe like, uh, I, maybe my brain is just now inventing things, but there could be a point later on where Lex finds Clark's prints, places where Clark shouldn't have been able to get access to. Oh, and stuff like that. That would be interesting. Well, we're going to have to like bookmark that and then and yeah, pay thought. attention to it. Because that'll be great. If that shows up, that'll be awesome. Because that's an answer I need answered now. No, that's a question I need answered. Yeah. But we quickly, right. we, 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 we go from inside Clark uh, kind of eyeballing the safe to a shot from outside as the, uh, the safe crashes down on Phelan's car. Okay. <laughs> I legitimately did not see this coming at all. My yeah. eyes popped, my jaw dropped, and I laughed. Like, this was a great comedy beat. Yeah. 
because he kind of just hands fail in a folder and kind of is just like, bye. Yep. Good luck. I called them, by the way, called the cops. And then he jets. Yeah. yeah. And so like you at this point, cause I had no memory of this episode either. Like I just assumed that this was going to be it for Phelan. This yeah. is the first, this is the first point where they could have ended this storyline. Well, and as we go deeper into the episode, you'll see that Clark essentially just repeats the same thing twice, and then one time it works. Yeah. Like, it is it is very weird. It's just like, okay, we had a good idea. We peaked too soon, so we'll just, I guess, but again, keep going? Yeah. But the next morning, Clark actually lies about where he was. But he's about to suggest trouble is over. Um, and Sheriff Ethan and Deputy, Deputy Bob show up with a search warrant. And what I what, immediately what I thought was going to happen, oh, fuck, they're going to find the ship. Yeah, exactly. Me too. 100% exactly the first thing I thought. Because the guy comes up and he's like, uh, you, Chief, you got to come see this. Yeah. And I was like, fuck, the ship. But no, it's just like a random dead guy. Shot Which through, is also through. very weird. Okay, so like... Let's assume late that night, right? Clark and Fallon break into to internal affairs. Clark trashes right. his car, mm-hmm. hands him internal affairs. Uh, um, you have to assume classified documents, right? And then jets. So this is the next morning. Well, let's assume yeah. six hours have passed. Okay. Yeah. In that six hours, Fallon has managed to somehow get himself away from any kind of investigation with internal affairs, kill someone, get from Metropolis to Smallville, dispose of the body in the barn, break into the truck, hide a gun in the truck. Mm -hmm. That seems like a stretch to me. Yeah, it's not a, it's a very big stretch. And because I, and I mean, I don't know if we ever, at some point, and it's, I want to say in kind of the distant future, at some point, Clark and Jonathan and, and, uh, uh, um, goddamn, Sam Jones, what's his character? Oh, Pete. Pete, thank you. Um, they're going to watch a football game on a Sunday together, and Clark runs to Metropolis to get hot dogs. I know this very specifically (laughs) like this is so I know this happens and at some point they like comment on the fact that it's three hours away but Clark does it in like two minutes right so assume like I said the six hour time period that's a three hour trip you still got to kill someone hide a body get away from internal affairs but that's the other thing too is I think throughout the series the distance between Smallville and uh, and Metropolis shifts slightly. I think like it's not so clear. Yeah, so it's like, like they, they haven't really set up a geography of it yet. No, they didn't set up a canon for any of that. But that's fair. Yeah, that's so fair. It was funny. I had a really stupid note on the dead guy. Um, I I had it that he was shot through the heart, but who's to blame? Oh, he gave love a bad name. <laughs> that's, um, that's why he's dead the, the poor thing about that dude is like literally the only thing about that guy is he's dead no yeah. name is mentioned nope. there's no motive there's it's no the like dude. 
just a dead guy. <laughs> like, wow, man, that's, I mean, that's cold. That's really, he's just, yeah. hey, there's a corpse. All right, that's all we need to know. Like, what was Phelan doing? Just driving down the street on the way out of a small, out of, out of town and just found a guy and just shot him in the heart? Like, yeah, exactly. Like, there's, there's no explanation as to who this poor dead guy, did he have a family? Like, yeah, nothing. Yeah. Nothing is, is he, is he a resident of Smallville or Metropolis? Like, yeah, exactly. where did this guy, is, is he the homeless guy that was in front of the bus? And now Clark's heroic effort means nothing. Right. No way. Yeah. So, but even like, even as Jonathan is trying to explain, he's never seen this guy. The other cop comes in with the gun, right? With a bagged gun and, uh, Jonathan's getting arrested and Clark comes really close to being like, like not letting them take him using force. And like, uh, Jonathan talks, talks him down, but, uh, like Clark goes inside and basically punches, what is hopefully not a load bearing beam <laughs> yes. inside the house. <laughs> exactly what I thought too. I'm like, I hope that's not a support beam. <laughs> next time Clark goes to bed, his whole fucking floor just falls Collapse. down. Oh my God. But yeah, like things get really heated and Phelan comes real close to getting killed. I had like, like a really, two really weird dark fantasies at this moment. One was like, what happens if Clark or Jonathan doesn't stop Clark and Clark just breaks bad at this point and Smallville derails and we get like a dark Clark for the rest of the series. Like he just yeah. goes doomsday, kills a whole bunch of cops. And like, that's it. I'm taking over. Yeah, kills everyone who was there. And then like there's an investigation as to what happened to these cops that were coming to the Kent farm. And then he has to try to squash that investigation. And, and it just snowballs from there. And then eventually yeah. it's like Grand Theft Auto, five stars. He's taking out tanks and helicopters and shit. <laughs> it would be awesome. And then my next uh, my next dark fantasy is when he's got Phelan up against the other beam in his kitchen. Yeah. Um, he's sitting there talking to him. And I'm like, if only, like, if I were Clark in that situation, this is exactly why I couldn't be Superman. Is I would literally, literally do something to convince him a little more. Like, you have nothing on me. I'd, like, flick his ear off. Like, his ear or a testicle or something. Just a little flick. Boom. There you go. That's all yeah. I need to do. Yeah. Or just, like, take his gun out and put it right against his own chest and fire it. And be like, Really? Well, okay, but this is something, though, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't think Clark has been shot until this point. Yeah, no, he hasn't been, he hasn't been shot yet. He's dodged yes, so bullets. He wouldn't, so Clark wouldn't put a gun up to his chest yet, no. because he doesn't no. know he's bulletproof at this point. Yeah. I, um, and we'll get there when we get there. It happens sooner Soon. rather than later, folks. But I, because I, I did... Even watching this episode, I, I remember questioning, like, has Clark been shot yet? Because I don't think he has. Because I do remember them actually openly commenting on Clark getting shot the first time. Right. Yeah. But yeah, so he he kind of failed managed to s squeeze out of that again. Uh, reminds him that he's got a lot more to lose than Phelan does. But uh, at the torch... Uh, Clark is there. Lana is sorry about what happened to Jonathan and feeling kind of way over her head um, about being, you know, the new editor of the torch. And she kind of laments in, out loud that that's what you get for trying to be a hero. But Clark also at, 
in the same scene asks Lana if she ever wishes Nell hadn't adopted her, that he kind of feels like all he does is complicate the Kent's lives. Yeah. And she tells she tells that story about when she ran away. Yeah, and it's 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 just another like Lana's photographic childhood memory moments for me. Yeah, she te- she yeah. tends to do this a lot. Like, oh, I have a relatable story. Back mm-hmm. in my past, one I day, it was March seventeenth, nineteen whatever, whatever, four twenty-seven yeah. in the morning. The temperature was minus three degrees. There was a light smattering of snow. I was wearing pink socks. My left shoe was untied. It's like, okay, Lana, yeah. get to the point. Get it. <laughs> yeah, I think I I don't know. Like that's the thing is, I really can't tell if there really are people who have memory that good or whether I just fucked myself up. <laughs> it might be. And I'm in the same boat, man. It might be the exact same thing. Cause I like, and I think we said this last episode, I past seven years, man, everything gets really fuzzy. And, but it's always been like that for me in my life. Like uh, yeah. my brain has like a seven year storage capacity. And, and after that, right. it's like, yeah, we'll kind of forget what happened. Yeah, but it uh, her her telling that story kind of anytime somebody either, uh, you know, pours their heart out to Clark, he always gets hit with some idea. And yeah, prompts something him and he gets out of there. But uh, he goes to the lockup uh, where where Pa is and uh, tells tells him the truth about what he did. And that he really wanted to kill Phelan in that moment. And Jonathan tells him to not let Phelan use fear and anger to control him. And that crossing that line, there's no coming back. It's totally a big Superman, like a Kent value. Yeah. That Superman carries forward forever. And can we put like a a moratorium on in DC TV series on people going to prison and talking through glass and then eventually having to do the like touching hands through the glass thing man because i have seen it in smallville i have seen it in arrow i've seen it a hundred times in the flash (laughs) like look you'll see it so many times in the beginning of season seven of arrow oh really (laughs) like he spends the first seven episodes in jail oh i can't wait. spoiler alert can't (laughs) wait yeah yeah but yeah, so like yeah, the jail jail trope. Um, but kind of, you know, Jonathan kind of tells him just to kind of try to stay out of it. Lex is at the beanery and sees Clark walking by, uh, trying to offer his help. But Clark pretty much like is kind of, you know, really prickly at this point and tells him just to stay out of it. And kind of we get a look from Lex kind of like he's just like all right well I'm not gonna but oh just to to answer a question that we had in the past I, I paid attention very specifically Lex does have eyebrows yeah yeah no I I definitely realized that like right <laughs> it's like, not important at all but I was just like yeah. oh he does have eyebrows they're kind of on the blonde side but they're there yeah yeah <laughs> Jesus <laughs> hey man you never know the listeners might want to know i don't know yeah yeah but uh once again kind of fail and failing shows up at the barn and kind of clark can't seem to get out from under the the fucking blackmail and they get in the car and they're pulling out of the driveway and 
we see the kind of camera pan over like three feet and Lex's car is there. It's like, how did they not see Lex? <laughs> yeah. Like, it's a little, yeah. Like really, he's, he didn't even bother to try to hide. And he is driving like a shiny at the time would have been brand new high end Jaguar. I believe it's a Jaguar. Yeah, I, I believe so too. Yeah. But it's car number three. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, well, yeah, I guess it's car number three. Maybe. Which doesn't really surprise me. I mean, like, yeah. a young man, Lex's age, you're already, we assume, billionaire, if not multi-multi-millionaire. I'd have a ton yeah. of cars, too. Yeah, no, at this point, I think even even with, he probably has shares in the company and has, like, you know, he's worth more, he's worth money and he's worth even more if Lionel doesn't exist. But, yeah, he's probably just got access to the, the garage, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, but uh, we stop in front of the museum and Clark asks what the hell they're doing there and Phelan is planning on early retirement and this planned kind of like an impromptu heist to steal the bre- breastplate of Alexander or kind of more specifically the jewels. Yeah, which, okay. I this mean... Is, you know, things rapidly fall apart in this episode at this point. Like, yeah, because this is just... <laughs> To me, like, I understand that you set up the breastplate at the beginning of the episode and, and like, it was, the like, quote, unquote, like, the crown jewel of the episode, sure. But it literally would be a million times easier to just get Clark to run into and rob a bank. Right. You don't have to worry about trying to hawk jewels from a priceless artifact, which is going to be easily traceable on the underground. No matter yeah. how good of a crooked cop you are, like just get them to break into a whole like five banks in a night, grab you a whole bunch of bundles of cash, and then you're done. Yeah, because now Phelan's trying to steal a bunch of jewels that he's going to have to try to fence. Like, yeah, are you exactly. Kidding me? Like, a- anyway, but they they make their way to a junction box, which at first I couldn't figure out was on the roof because we don't really see them get up to the roof. Oh, they're okay. just on the roof. Oh, I mean, that's a fair point. I, I just assumed that that's where they were, but yeah. you're right. They never actually established that they climb up to a roof or whatever, which yeah. you would think that access to the museum's roof would also be secure. Right. So hmm. you'd see like something happen in that, right? But uh, Clark is, again, pressured into just busting it in and then Phelan calls in a bomb threat to the guards inside. And so the guards just run out (laughs) like, yeah, which is weird because the bomb is outside the museum. Yeah, right, right. This, yeah, we, right now we see, yeah, we see like the guards making their way down the steps. Um, and then on the roof, we see that it's disabled and, and then again, out front, we're seeing Lex pulling a box out of like a newspaper box. Yeah. So like why is when it Fallon like, why is doing this? <laughs> it's so weird. The whole sequence just doesn't make any sense. Did it's Fallon not... tell them where the bomb was? Or did Lex maybe see him plant it, I guess? And that was supposed to be part of the thing is is they were gonna be distracted looking for this little package, but but Lex knew where it was because he saw it being planted. Or did Fallon tell them, hey, look, there's a bomb inside the newspaper box outside the museum, and then all of the security guys ran towards it. Yeah. Again, because 
we aren't given any of this information. <laughs> we have to just put the plot together ourselves, and that's not our job to do. All right, it's again. whatever. It is what yeah. it is. This is not it's one just... of Smallville's stronger episodes, <sighs> if you guys can't tell yet. Yeah, but so inside, Clark and Phelan are on, like, ground floor inside the museum. So they've gotten down from the roof inside. Um, and kind of has Clark, he has Clark bend the bars around the display and shatter the glass. Which and, I will um, say looked pretty okay. Yeah. I mean, at one point the bars like kind of fall on Tom Welling mm-hmm. and it's like, okay, that's that they're obviously not secured to anything, but the no. initial like bending of the bars, I'm like, that looked great. Actually. I totally buy that. But yeah. And then outside, we see Lex opening the package and he kind of just pulls like kind of like the most stereotypical kind of analog alarm clock yep. out of the box. And he kind of smirks and throws it to one of the guards and the guards like, fuck. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. The clock's a bomb. <laughs> no. Oh yeah. That's just like a weird moment. Like, like Lex, like what are you, doing? What are you even doing here? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it is very weird that Lex just all of a sudden decides he's going to start, like, following Phelan. Yeah, he's just, like, a sleuth all of a sudden. Yeah, because, like, at this point, they've had a history, but Phelan right. is almost not involved with Lex at all beyond going, Lex, I need you to tell me who this kid is. Right. And then after that, their business is done. But I guess Fa- or Lex having history with Phelan is he's just, like... This dude's up to something. I need to know what. Yeah. But back inside, like after Clark has broken the glass, he kind of steps aside and lets Phelan, you know, Phelan thinks they'll make a really great team. And he puts the breastplate into the duffel bag, which is exactly what Clark was waiting to happen because now Phelan's put his, his, uh, his fingerprints all over it. Clark grabs the bag. He uses x-ray vision to look outside um, and then he quickly grabs and tosses the bag through like a high window, which uh, that's weird to me too. Like, Hey, I get it. His fingerprints yeah. are on the breastplate, which I guess proves that he's the one who broke into the case to steal it. But then, but then you throw it out onto the road and now he's nowhere near it. Yeah. And Phelan's pissed and he tries to take Clark out. And we see some some bullet time. Oh yeah, and, man! Clark Kent dodging yeah. bullets since before Neo was was a fetus. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, the bullet time's not nearly as good. Now, did when did the Matrix come out? Before Smallville. Did it come out? Oh, okay, so For never sure. mind. I guess no. no. Neo beat him to it. He he beat him to it. Uh, but Clark Clark has dodged many more bullets. Uh, oh, yeah, the Count will get up there for sure. Well, I mean, at, at some point, Neo just starts stopping him with his mind, so. Right. Clark escapes, uh, but security rolls in there, and Phelan, there's like a gunfight ensues, and Phelan is hit in the ensuing gunfight, and he's kind of laying there, kind of drowning in his own blood, and Lex, like, gets in there and tries to, like, desperately to get out of him what he found out on Clark. But mm-hmm. Phelan goes to, tells him to go to hell and dies. Which, 
as much as we've been like busting this episode's balls, that's a good. I did like that. I didn't necessarily yeah. dig the performance, but I do like the nah, screw you. You did me no solids. I do. I'm not gonna do you any. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but yeah, that's kind of you know that's the end of Phelan, and that's you know a lot of Smallville villains that find out about Clark end up dead. They kind of have to. Or they end up in like that. Uh, there's a like at, at some point in the future, there's like a mental institution. Yes. Yeah, the Smallville's version of Arkham. Yeah, pretty much. But uh, in in at the torch, Quan storms in, upset at the latest headline that reads "Quan crushes freedom of speech," <laughs> and then. <laughs> it's a good thing that like Chloe and Lana are not dramatic in any way. <laughs> yeah. But Lana responds, you know, not only saying does it meet all of his criteria, but that it's the right thing to do. Um, and he kind of admits that he liked Chloe's passion for the paper, but n- not her accuracy. Yes. Um, and she Which walks is in having fair. I mean, that. that that is a fair argument because, like, he looks at Chloe and he's like, OK, you want the paperback? That's fine. But you have to report facts. Yeah. Yeah. Which, okay, yeah, good, verifiable facts. Fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. Journalistic integrity. And in all honesty, I don't think she ever does. (laughs) Like, Uh, no, I don't think so. We'll have to pay attention for the very next, um, like, torch headline. I don't think there's any coming up in the next two episodes, but I'm almost sure it's the same, like, inquirer esque bullshit. Yeah, no, there's a lot of there's a lot of scenes where the scenes we get in the torch are just in front of the wall of weird. Yeah. And it's usually to serve as like the Chloe has figured out who the baddie is or has oh, it's found one, vital yeah. information. One hundred percent like it's it's like the uh the Scooby Gang's mystery machine without the wheels, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the arrow cave without fl- felicity or yeah. You know, <laughs> although, I mean, you could say that Chloe is like the blueprint for Felicity. Yeah, kind of. She's she's Watchtower, right? So, yeah. Yeah. But uh, so, you know, he says that, yeah, she can have her job back as long as she, you know, doesn't print what she can't prove. And Chloe apologizes for the way she flipped out, mentions that it's the only time that she and Clark have together. And that Lana coming into that, she kind of overreacted. And this, I think, is the first, I mean, unless I missed it in previous episodes, but I think this is the first time where the show starts to acknowledge Chloe's crush on Clark. There, I mean, there are some subtle signs before this that that's kind of the case, but it really starts to pick up from this point. Yeah. Because... But in this in this scene, they kind of both awkwardly describe their relationship with Clark as just friends. But there's slightly different emotions under the surface. Oh, yeah. I don't think either of them actually believes the other or themselves. Right. And our last scene is Lex sitting at a computer looking at surveillance footage, kind of watching a blur pass by. And Victoria comes up behind and asks him if he's coming to bed. And he says, in a minute. And he, as she walks away, we see the screen again. But he manages to pause it perfectly on the blur. The blur? 
Hmm, that yeah. sounds familiar. Hmm. Yeah, and it just kind of like it hangs on that for a second, and there's kind of some like o- ominous music. As he okay, so where it. did that security footage come from? Exactly. If the ca- if the feeds were out, how was their footage? Because I'm trying to think. Like, did he speed through? the uh museum the first time he was there no not that i recall maybe he sped through to get access to the roof the first time uh okay not sure why he would do that but um and then how did he get fallon up there then was he carrying fallon in which case well i guess fallon already knew about the secret so yeah so it's either a plot hole or uh lex had his own private camera in that area. See, but, but that, if that's the case, but if that's the case, why didn't it catch more? Exa- and that's my whole thing. Like if you had enough, if you had camera footage where you could catch the blur, then you have cameras footage of Clark moving at real time. Yeah. Which means you have most likely, because I want to say like the, the, the shot of the blur that they show shows the case with the chest plate on it. Mm. Like it's, it's just, it's in like the bottom left corner. So if you have that, then you have Clark bending those bars. Yeah, man. Like I, it's hard to take, it's hard to say, right? Because it's hard with the graininess of that footage to tell where in the museum that could be. That could be, Everything's coming on back online right as Clark is escaping. Maybe who knows, right? Like, oh, that could be Clark running away. You're right, leaving Fallon. Well, while Fallon right. is dying, Clark just running away. Yeah, and it's like maybe exterior. Okay, all right. Yeah, sure. Yeah, but sure. again, again, we have to make we have to make an excuse for something the episode could have very easily told us. I'll right? begrudgingly like, accept it, Smallville. Yeah. So with that said, I think the episode is a pretty weak one. Um, yeah, I have to agree. I mean, I think the the only super solid thing this one did, uh, well, it, it plants two really good seeds, I think. It plants the seed of Chloe having feelings for Clark, and it plants the seed of Jonathan's temper. Yeah, um, it does that. And then, like, kind of after that, it explores or expands upon, like, Lex's past in Metropolis, the, what is it, Club Zero kind of thing. Like, Club Zero is never mentioned, but I assume that's how uh, Lex knew um, Fallon, is that he was kind of involved in all the cover-up shit that happens with Lex or has happened in Lex's past that we will find out about in the future. Yeah. Yeah, it's just it uh, the Lex scenes again set up future episodes with yeah. him and Victoria and that stuff. And Lex or, or Clark kind of learns a little bit of a lesson, maybe to try to start being a little bit more careful about, you know, using his powers. Yes. No, um Shoot, now I don't remember if it was this one or the next episode. Or it's it's the next one. Never mind. I'll bring it up next one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, Paul, why don't you tell me what happens on the next episode of Smallville? So the next episode is called Shimmer, 
And uh, on the next episode of Smallville, a servant is supposed to be invisible to their employers, but someone at Lex's mansion takes that axiom literally when they use an invisibility potion to cloak themselves during a manor-wide terror spree. Oh my god. It's... That synopsis actually sounds about as good as the episode. (laughs) Which is to say, not great. Also, I I actually changed how I read it because they actually used the pronoun of the person who's actually responsible. Oh, okay. And so it would totally spoil the surprise. If I would have read it the way it's meant to be read. Is it a surprise though? Uh, I think it sort of is because you're led to believe it's one person and then it turns out to be someone else. Oh, I guess. I get, and I, it's probably, again, my previous experience watching it, knowing who right. it was that I, that to me, there was no question the whole time. Right. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, that's, uh, that's that. Um, I guess the only other thing, uh, I guess, uh, like most podcasts, uh, kind of discovering us is kind of, uh, you know, going to get our numbers up. And so, uh, if you like the show. Uh, leave a review or uh, send us a message um, either on iTunes or whatever podcatcher you use. Uh, it just helps people find the show. And then uh, you can interact directly with us by sending us a message on anchor. Yeah. Cool. And Twitter, find us on Twitter at save yeah. us pod, save us pod. Yeah. But uh, I guess uh, until next time, somebody save us.